Welcome to The Open Word, the online teaching ministry of Pastor David Landry on today's episode. Open our hearts, change us from within by the open word. Give us ears to hear your truth and eyes to see the needs around us as we draw. Someone was simply at the right place at the right time, and they were actively on mission for the Lord. Remember when the persecution came, it wasn't that they were sending out missionaries. No, the persecution came and the church again dispersed. And as they went out, they declared the truth of God in them and others came to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. But that's different than the church commissioning and sending out people for that specific purpose. How many people have you preached the gospel to this past week? What about the past few months? Today, Pastor David will be challenging you to obey the great commission that Jesus expects of all of his followers. You're called to go throughout your life, preaching the gospel and making disciples. You may not necessarily be called to go to another country as a missionary, but you're absolutely called to preach the gospel to those God has placed within your sphere of influence. Now here's Pastor David in the book of Acts chapter 13. As he begins his message, are you on a mission? Are you on mission? Now notice I didn't say, are you on a mission? The question is, is are you on mission? Are you on track and are you doing what God has called you to do in your life? Are you on mission with what the the gifting of God has placed within your life, what the calling of God has placed within your life, the purpose that God continues to give you a heartbeat and sucking air in this time frame? God has a purpose for you. And it's not just to come and warm a seat in an auditorium. It is for the purpose of his kingdom's extension, the purpose for his kingdom's glory and for his name's glory. So are you on mission? There's a lot to consider when we look at the events that are actually coming into play here as the church in Antioch is about to send out a couple of missionaries. Jerusalem had had sent out men before this time, but by and large, they, they sent out men to actually witness what had already taken place, not necessarily with a a focus on missions. What was already going on in the lives of a variety of people in a variety of places. Individuals, yes, they had gone out before, but not with that primary focus of doing an evangelistic work in a directed way from the church. They definitely, they, they did witness. Uh, there are those that uh, they came in contact with, that they shared the reality and the truth of their faith in Jesus Christ. There are many that were one to the Lord up until this time. We understand that. Families and even communities were coming to a saving knowledge of Christ, but it appears more that those primary events, they they took place 
because someone was simply at the right place at the right time, and they were actively on mission for the Lord. Remember when the persecution came, it wasn't that they were sending out missionaries. No, the persecution came and the church again dispersed. And as they went out, they declared the truth of God in them and others came to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. But that's different than the church commissioning and sending out people for that specific purpose. At, at the end of Acts chapter 12, we've actually yet to see any kind of a concerted evangelistic effort that's been put on by the church. But here in chapter 13, we see actually the first true missionaries that, that were sent out, and it doesn't happen out of the leadership of Jerusalem, but it happens out of the leadership in Antioch. The church in Antioch at this point in time is about eight to 10 years old, and we see them going ahead and stepping out, led by the Spirit, not by the plans and the purposes of man, but being led by the Spirit to send these men out. Acts chapter 13, look with me if you would, beginning in verse one. Now in the church that was at Antioch, there were certain prophets and teachers. Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Menaean, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Spirit said, catch that, the Holy Spirit said, now separate to me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then having fasted and prayed and laid hands on them, they sent them away. Guys, men that are involved in this calling, this ordaining of ministry, these men that we see here in, at the very beginning of Acts chapter 12, by and large, we don't hear of these guys other than or the beginning of 13, I'm sorry. We don't hear from these guys other than Barnabas and Saul. There's five men that are mentioned here, but three of them are pretty much unheard of elsewhere within the scripture. Yeah, Luke first mentions Barnabas. At this point in time, Barnabas seems to be the, the lead factor in all of this. And yes, we see him active not only throughout the book of Acts, or at least up until chapter 15, we see Barnabas. But we also see him mentioned uh, later on throughout the New Testament in, the, in some of the letters. Then we come to Simeon, who is called Niger. Now, little if anything is, is known about this brother at all. Uh, there's a lot of speculation that's made simply because of the phrase, who is called Niger. Now, Niger is actually a, a Latin word. Yes, it has the meaning of being black. Possibly, again, dealing with his complexion. Perhaps that's the deal. We don't know for sure. Uh, because he had a, a Latin nickname, some folks say, well, maybe he was involved very much in the Roman culture. We really don't know that either because there were a lot of people during that time that had both a Hebrew name as well as a Roman or a Latin name. All I've got to do is mention Saul. Saul, who had a Hebrew name. Paul was his Greek or Roman name. Some have tried to equate uh, uh, Simeon with the one that we read about in the Gospels, Simon of Cyrene, the man that carried the cross for Jesus. One of the arguments has been that, uh, again, Simon of Cyrene is listed uh, right next to, uh, if he was Simon of Cyrene, here in Luke Acts, or uh, in, in Acts chapter 13, we see the name of Simeon 
listed right beside Lucius of Cyrene. Some have tried to pull that together. We don't know that for sure. Now, although, again, Luke lists Lucius here, we also see a Lucius that's listed by Paul in the book of Romans. Some have tried to tie them together, but the problem is, is when Paul writes in Romans about Lucius, he's writing of a Lucius who is one of his countrymen, so not necessary of Cyrene. Also among the leadership here at uh, the church here in Antioch, we have Menaean. Uh, Menaean, it simply says that he was brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, apparently a boyhood friend or someone who, who at least had the acquaintance of Herod the Tetrarch at, at, at a young age, but nothing else is known about him at all. Then at the very end of the list, Luke writes, and Saul. And I love how he does this because, again, it should cause us to, to, to ponder from a, for a moment. He didn't say Barnabas and Saul and then these three other men. Luke puts these three other men right between the two bookends of Barnabas and Saul. And again, I think instead of bringing Saul down, it really elevates these other three men to the same level as Barnabas and Saul. Luke had no problem in giving these three others equal billing with the one that would soon become the Apostle Paul. Remember, Luke is writing this after all of these events. He knows what's going to happen to Saul. As he's writing, it's already happened. And so here he lists Saul in just pretty much on the same level as these other men. To me, when I look at that, it speaks of those unsung heroes of the Christian faith. Men and women that we may never know their name, and yet God used them powerfully throughout the life of the church. God knows their name. They're, again, honored in God's sight because of their faithfulness to do what God had called them to do. We don't see these three men serving as missionaries, but we see these three men coming together with Barnabas, with Saul, praying and seeking the Holy Spirit as the Holy Spirit sends out Barnabas and Saul. Through the millennia, God has used men and women who will never be recognized by this world, but God knows their names. And that speaks so much about the same kind of mindset that you and I ought to have as we serve our Savior. Do you want to get recognition by man, or are you simply desiring to serve the Savior? Do you hunger for the accolades of this world or are you one who would be completely satisfied and blessed with those words, well done, thou good and faithful servant, though nobody in the world knew your name? Do you need the acknowledgement of, of the culture or are you content just being known as a servant of the most high? It's a question I think all of us need to ask as we step out in service and ministry to the Lord. Hey, look at the writer of Hebrews, in the, or the book of Hebrews, and when the writer of Hebrews comes to what's called chapter 11, we call it the, the roll call of the faithful, uh, the, the hall of faith. Uh, he lists notable men and women there. He speaks of Enoch and Noah and Abraham and Sarah and Isaac and Jacob and Moses and David and Samuel. 
all of these we could throw out and we would be familiar with their names, familiar with how God used them, how their lives were used for the glory of God. But the writer of Hebrews also lists a number of others that we really don't have their names. Along with those that are recognized, he also lists there in Hebrews just simply women. Women who received their dead raised to life again. He speaks of others, others who were tortured, still others who had trials of mockings and scourges and chains and imprisonments. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. They were tempted. They were slain with a sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, and tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They We don't know their names, but they, because of their love for Jesus Christ, because of their love and their faithful service to God Almighty, Hebrews tells us they wandered in deserts and mountains, in dens and caves of the earth. And all of these, all of these who we don't know their name, who we can't give them accolades, we don't do Bible studies in particular about their names, but all of these, Hebrews tells us, they have obtained a good testimony through faith. I don't know about you, but that's what, that's what I want to have, not, not just on my epitaph that the world would see, that's what I want to know that in heaven, that in glory, that's what the Lord is saying having obtained a good testimony through faith. All of these unknowns are listed with, and they are held by God, guys, with the very same honor as those names that are known. Don't sorrow if no one recognizes your service for your great king. After all, we don't come to serve man. We come to serve Jesus. Luke tells us that these men here at Antioch, they came together, these five men, they came together, they ministered to the Lord, and they fasted. And the best we can understand is that they came for a time of prayer, uh, a time of worship, uh, all during this time of fasting. They were seeking the Lord's will. They were seeking, I believe, the direction for the church there in Antioch. And rather than going on the best laid plans of man, they sought the Lord's direction, and he was faithful to reveal it to them. Luke tells us that the Holy Spirit said, now separate to me Barnabas and Saul for the work which I have called them to. Was it an audible voice? Were they all praying, the five of them, and all of a sudden just this miraculous voice came from heaven saying, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul? Very possibly, it could have happened. God has done that other places within the scripture. But I also believe that at this point in time when we look and see that as even as Luke introduces them, he says that in the church there at Antioch, there were certain prophets and teachers. I believe in a very real way, through the gift of prophecy, the Holy Spirit could have spoken through one of those with that gift of prophecy and says, the Holy Spirit has spoken that we should separate Barnabas and Saul 
for the work of ministry. Again, not giving glory to any man that has a gift, but giving glory to God who again speaks and calls men for the work of ministry. They were to separate Barnabas and Saul for the work of God, the work that God had prepared them, the work that God had gifted them, the work that God had called them to accomplish. And I love this. God had a plan in mind already, and I believe that that plan was already in mind absolutely before they even began to pray, before they began to worship, definitely before they began to fast. Guys, you need to understand that God has a plan and a purpose for each one of us. If we are his, if we call Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, God has a plan and a purpose for us. Our task, our responsibility is, Lord, what would you have me to do? How can I serve you the best where I am with the giftings, with the callings that you have placed in my life? The Lord, again, declared to them, he showed them, he spoke to them what they were to do. They fasted and prayed, the Lord showed them. But then even after the Lord told them, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul, once again, they fasted and prayed and then they laid hands on them and they sent them out, they sent them on that journey. Again, praying and fasting, seeking the Lord. I don't believe that they prayed and fasted after that because they were in doubt. I believe, again, they were praying and fasting, uh, not only for confirmation of what was declared, but also for protection, for the Lord's leading, for the Lord's provision, for the Lord's blessing, as these two men go out for that purpose that God was calling them to. How dare we ever send anyone off in any area of ministry without, first of all, asking for the covering of Almighty God's hand within their life? Man, I don't want to go out there on my own strength. I don't want to stand in this pulpit on my own strength. Man, before we begin the service, we gather back in my office. We pray. We pray for God's anointing on the worship, God's anointing on the preaching of the word and on the teaching of the word in Sunday school classes. We pray for the anointing of God on your ears to be able to hear, even if the failings of men fall flat, that the Holy Spirit would speak into your heart and life when you're here. Guys, we want God's work, his move, his hand working within our lives. And when we look at this idea of missions, going out on missions, I look at that and I understand that's a, that's a particular calling of God. It's a calling of God with, with the gifting from the Holy Spirit. And when we look at the gifts of the Spirit, Granted, we don't look at that list of multiple lists of gifts of the Spirit. We don't see missionary in there anywhere. But we do see apostle. Now bear with me for a moment as you understand this. Not apostle with a capital A as an office within the church, but as a gift to and for the church. In the Greek language, that word apostle simply means uh, to send. It comes from the verb to send. Josephus, the early church, or the early historian, a Jewish historian of the first century, he uses the word several times with that idea of sending out emissaries. He uses that word or a form of that word in that idea. We also find even in the, the Hebrew trend or the Greek translation of the Hebrew manuscripts of the Old Testament, that word being used as one who is sent, particularly with a special task. When I look at the word outside of the office of apostle, and I see the gift and the calling of apostle given to the church, 
I see it as one who is sent out. I see it as the missionaries that we send and have sent through the years. Outside of that office of the apostle that was given by the Lord to particular ones, again, to give them authority over the church, we see that usage of the ministry of apostle throughout the New Testament in individuals or groups of people that were sent out by the church as authorized representatives of the Lord Jesus Christ and of his church. That's, that's made clear in a couple of chapters. In chapter 14, speaking of Barnabas and Paul, by then he gets the name Paul, but it says, uh, but when the apostles, Barnabas and Paul, heard this. Again, Luke recognizes that Barnabas is an apostle, not an office in the church, but as one that sent out. Calling of a po- or of missionary. As I said, it's an exact calling, and it's an important calling. I believe it's just as exact as the calling as a pastor teacher. It is a calling specific that God has on individuals' lives. And although every one of us, if you claim the Lord Jesus Christ, every one of us, we're called, we're commissioned, and we are commanded by the Lord Jesus Christ to always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks for the reason of the hope that's within you. We are called as believers in Christ to be ready both in season and out of season to declare the reality of that hope that's within us. But above and beyond that general call is that special, that unique calling as a missionary to leave the comforts, to leave the the, the familiarity of home, to travel forward specifically on task as an ambassador of Christ to a place to a people, or to a nation, again, with that precise purpose of winning individuals to Christ. Guys, being a missionary, well, I, I, I want to uh, take a, a vacation trip to, uh, to England, and so I'm going to join with the, the quote-unquote missions trip that comes up uh, later on this year, the ones that Pastor Robert is involved in with the Christian Islamic Dialogue. Guys, that's not a vacation. It is going specifically with the purpose to declare the hope of Jesus Christ to Muslim men and women there in London and in the surrounding communities. Don't sign up to go on that if you're looking for a vacation to England. Don't stop in the middle of the time and say, hey, listen, I want to take time. I want to go over here and tour this part of the the, the city. No, that's not what it's for. It is a missions trip for that purpose. A purpose, again, to go out and win people for Jesus Christ. Someone who had a true missionary heart, a fellow by the name of J.L. Ewan. Ewan writes, as long as there are millions destitute of the word of God and knowledge of Jesus Christ, it will be impossible for me to devote time and energy to those who have both. You see, He doesn't have the pastor's heart. He's got the evangelist's heart. He's got the calling of an evangelist to go where none have heard. It's like the apostle Paul. Paul says, I'm not gonna go and build on another man's foundation. I'm not gonna go where others have already declared. No, I'm gonna go where it's never been declared before. That's a missionary heart. That's a missionary calling. Hudson Taylor, a name that many of you are probably familiar with. He was a missionary in China. Well, his heart to serve 
as a missionary for him began at a very, very early age. Later on in his life, he writes that at age five, at five years old, he already had the heart that said that when I am a man, I want to be a missionary and go to China. At five years old. We're so glad you could be with us today as we opened God's Word and dove into the goodness and truth the Bible contains. If you've missed any part of today's message in Acts, we encourage you to refer to our website, calvarycg.org. Once there, you can browse our library of audio as well as learn more about the ministry of the Open Word. We'd love to hear from you about how God's working in your life. Please give us a call at 520-836-9676. When you call, please let us know how we can be praying for you. Again, that's 520-836-9676. If you prefer accessing information through social media, visit our Facebook page and keep up to date with all that's happening at The Open Word. Just go to theopenword.com. You'll be directed right to our page. You'll be able to explore more of Pastor David's audio there as well. As our time comes to a close today, Pastor David has a quick word of encouragement to share with you. Hey, thanks, Chris. Any time you spend in God's Word is valuable, and I'd like to encourage you to do it as often as possible. By diving deeper into the Scripture and letting it saturate your heart and mind, you'll be ready to take on your day as well as be prepared when the enemy attacks. If you're not sure where to start, you can begin by reading today's passage again. Or simply let your Bible fall open. If your heart is open to the Holy Spirit's direction, you can't go wrong. Hey, thanks for tuning in today. And I hope you'll join me again next time on The Open Word. Make a small-